Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. In this week's episode, I'm welcoming John Geiling to the show. John is the president of his hugely successful company, JPG Plumbing and Mechanical Services, Inc. Whether your teen is interested in the plumbing business or another one of the trades, this episode is packed full of useful information and resources. After years of employment in the trades working for other people, John made the decision to go out on his own. As you'll hear in our conversation, that decision has certainly paid off. John is not afraid of hard work, and while he does like the money, he really loves the work. John believes that in order to be successful, you must do the hardest job that nobody else wants to do. Be sure to listen to the end when John shares helpful tips for teens who are interested in pursuing a career in the trades. And don't miss John's valuable advice to those who are interested in starting their own business. There's a lot to unpack here, so let's get started. Welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Are you tired of watching the teenagers in your life trying desperately to keep up on the high school hamster wheel? Is your teen confused about which direction to take after high school graduation? Our world is changing, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they can feel empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we will explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and I can't wait to take this journey with you. Hi, John. Thanks so much for being here today on the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Sure. I'm really excited to have you today. I haven't had a lot of guests who work in the trades, and I think it's going to be really valuable to my audience. Um, but before we get started, would you mind just taking a minute or two and just giving my audience a little bit of background about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name's John Guiling, as you know. I am the president and CEO, uh, chief visionary officer of JPG Plumbing and Mechanical Services. Uh, our company uh, so does service for um, commercial facilities throughout the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Virginia metro area. We have about 100 employees. Uh, most of our work is in the healthcare uh, energy space. We do a lot of work for data centers. We do work for colleges and universities. Uh, mostly every sophisticated customer who has a critical need is our perfect customer. That's awesome. So you have a pretty interesting story and I, I would love you to start as far back as high school and really just share what you want to share. But what I love about your story is you found your way into the trades and then it was an entrepreneurial path. So you kind of have both both sides of that business, right? The actual trade itself and the entrepreneurial path. Can you talk a little bit about your journey? Sure. So uh, high school was um, sort of rough for me, uh, only in so much I had a, um, a learning disability, which was a motor function disability. I couldn't write, but I was reading on a pretty high level. So I got through high school. Uh, several high schools, and um, I was uh, looking for a job and trying to figure out what I was going to do. I knew college wasn't really for me, and I was working as a janitor or something at a local uh, mall, and um, I had 
decided to join the Navy. So I signed up with a recruiter and I was at a party one night with a bunch of friends and my buddy had been a pl- had been in the plumbing trade for about two and a half or three years. And he said, oh, you don't want to go in the Navy. Why don't you come and I'll get you a job as a plumber's helper. And I said, well, that sounds even better. So uh, backed out of the Navy and uh, I started working for a company, a pretty large company uh, called George F. Warner, which they're since uh, defunct now. But um, they uh, they did mostly service type work. The, the business I worked in was service and repair type work. And, and we did, um, you know, anything from uh, residential to commercial, mostly garden apartments or apartment building type things. Nothing very sophisticated, like they weren't really working in the hospitals and everything. So I worked there for a couple of years, uh, two and a half years. And then, um, you know, I started moving around to a few companies just because every time you moved, you got a raise. And, and uh, you know, I think I started out, I was making about $4 an hour and I had made it up to six there. And, you know, I was looking for 10 and, you know, this is back in the eighties where that kind of money really meant something. So I bounced around to a couple of companies and, Uh, ended up at a company called Magnolia Plumbing and I was there for for about a year and a half or so. And, you know, again, it was, I, I was chasing the money at that age. I I guess I was 23 or so, 22 or 23. And I asked for a raise and um, they said I wasn't worthy of that. And so I ended up going down to the union hall and the union hall, um, they were looking for a lot of uh, service type people and I was really good at the service. And so they brought me in and I got a big raise and like seven or $8 an hour and benefits. And, you know, it was probably, it was like hitting the lottery for, for me, you know? And so, uh, so I ended up working at a small service shop there for about six and a half or seven years. Um, Did that for a while. Times got slow uh, we were down to like 20 hours a week. This is back in the early 90s, like 91, 92. And I decided to go out on my own. I had gotten my master's license, uh, which is a test. You have to take a test. And I had gotten my master's license. And and I just, you know, I was doing so much work on the side with, you know, just to try to, you know, make enough money. Plus, I really loved working. I mean, that was one thing that was really good about me is, you know, any job you wanted me to do, any time, day or night, I was working. Just not only for the money, but because I love putting my hands on things and, and doing the work. So, um, Were you like that as a child? Were you very into like building things or taking things apart? Or did you grow up that way? Not really. Um, you know, I always worked. So I, I never really had a problem working. Um, I, you know, when we were kids, we would change in the oil and changing tires and working on the car with dad and stuff like that, you know, and, um, working in the garden. So I didn't have any, you know, qualms about digging or doing anything. I mean, really, I, for me, I was more driven by, you know, I want to do the right thing for people, even my bosses and whatnot. And so, you know, whatever that is, uh, I, and, and this is, I tell my daughter the same thing, you know, I just want to be the hardest worker and do every job nobody else wants to do. And, you know, because I had that, um, that, um, drive to do that sort of thing, it was very easy for me to excel and do, you know, move up the chain. And, and, uh, and the other thing is my personality. I wasn't going to really accept 
you know, being less than what I could be. So I just kept pushing. And, you know, if I really didn't, wasn't, didn't see any forward mobility, uh, I would, you know, usually try to move towards something else, if that makes sense. Yeah, for Um, sure. So you have quite a work ethic. Um, and in fact, I noticed, I just wanted to mention, I noticed when you sent your email right below, right above your signature, I love that you have this, and I'm assuming this goes out in every email. If you've received anything other than great service from JPG, please call my cell phone. Like that jumped out at me that you're the president of the company and you're giving that to just about anybody who doesn't get the best service in your company. So that's, that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't really, I've never really worked for the money. I mean, I like the money, uh, but you know, when I go to work, it isn't, I don't think to myself, you better pay me something. When I go to work, I think I really want to do the best thing I can for everybody I'm working for, no matter what it is. And so that just kind of transferred to this business too. And um, I actually saw that on a, I was, I, I'm a voracious reader, like I said in my email. So I'm reading all the time, all sorts of books, history and business and motivation. And, you know, I just, I probably read 25 to 30 books a year. Wow. So, uh, or I'll, uh, or I'll be listening to them driving up and down the road. Cause I feel the more good things you put in your brain, the more good things come out. Um, and I actually saw that, um, a guy who uh, owned like a pizza place or something had that as a sign on his wall. So I, I, I stole it. Oh, well, I, <laughs> well, I love Yeah. I actually might add something like that to my email. Um, Okay. So you reached a point where you said, I'm going to work, go out and do this on my own. I'm going to start my own business. Were you nervous? Were you scared about that? I doubt it because it sounds like you were pretty confident and, and not really afraid of anything. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, one of, one of my best attributes, I think, and I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I don't really recognize the pain that could go into something. I just really plow forward and uh, most of my risks are uh, calculated. I mean, plumbing plumbing has been so, it's so easy to, to be successful in that career if you do the work and if you do good work and treat people fairly. And so I saw my, the people I, I work for were very good people. And they, um, they always did the right thing by their customers. Um, and so it, to me, it was just a simple math equation. Okay, well, I can do what they're doing if I do what they do. You know, I just have to, and and plumbing is, everybody has plumbing. So it's it's not like you ever have to worry about not having any work, you know, because everybody has a plumbing problem. I mean, walk around your house, there's a plumbing problem somewhere. Yeah, and it's, as a homeowner, it's often hard to get workmen to show up, which seems crazy to me. Because there's always so much work, like you're saying, but, and not necessarily plumbers, we have a great plumber, but at other times, there's been other jobs that we've had done. And, you know, you get a quote from somebody, and then they never call you back, or they come to give you a quote, and they say they'll call you or email you, and you never hear from them. So it's nice to hear (laughs) commitment to service and actually showing up and doing the work. So let's talk about your industry, because, you know, you can't pick up a newspaper if anybody picks up a newspaper anymore, or read an internet headline without seeing how the trades are really in need of electricians, plumbers, builders, etc. 
So I'm assuming that in your business, you never run out of work and that there's lots of opportunity for people looking to break into the plumbing industry. Yeah. So um, what happened was, uh, what I feel happened was when I got out of high school is um, in 83, um, people really did three things. They went to college and it was pretty cheap. I, I think you could get into University of Maryland with a C average for like 6000 a year or 6000 a semester. It was something so, so, so little. Um, or you went to community college or you went into the service or you went into the trades. And unlike today, if you couldn't afford college or your parents couldn't afford college, you couldn't go. You know, I mean, there, you know, there were Pell Grants and this, that and the other thing. But it was pretty, pretty egregious to try to get a loan if you didn't have any means, means testing or mean, didn't have the means to do so. Um, so I, I College wasn't for me anyway. I, I'm more of a, I'm more of the type of person who I teach myself everything I need to know. And everything I don't need to know, it's not really, you know, I don't spend the time on it, um, which makes is a pretty efficient learning process because you don't really have to go through a bunch of stuff. So now what happened is in the 90s, to get back to your question, what happened in the 90s is that all the student loan funding, they, it just, it opened up and there was very little um, accountability or means testing. You know, anybody could kind of go and, um, you know, people people just started pushing their kids to college, you know, as the only thing to do. Right, right. And so what happened is we we ended up, um, you know, we still got people in the trade, but but they might not have been the same, and I hate to be judgmental or anything, the same caliber per- person who would came in when I was coming in. And so what ha- what is happening now is the people in that generation, like from the nineties to, to now, you know, we, we miss this in, we have this intellectual intellectual capital gap where, you know, the people who do, uh, you know, managers, service managers, estimators, salespeople, stuff like that. They're not here because there's nobody with the experience to really do it, you know, people with, you know, who might not have done great in high school, but, you know, smart, hardworking people, you know, they just, they're not there anymore because everybody goes to college, you know, and even the smart people or not so smart people, you know, everybody goes to college. So, so the opportunity that creates in our trade is that it's a pretty uh, low entry to, um, to not only get in the trade, but also to, you know, work your four or five years, get a license, get some business acuum, and start your own business. It's It takes like five years or seven at the most. I mean, you should wait 10 just so you have enough knowledge and skills to, to do it. But the barrier for entry is very low. And, you know, even if you're a single operator at that point, you know, one person and maybe a helper or something like that, you can make $150,000 a year easily. You know, if you know how to price your work and, you know, treat people correctly, your customers correctly, and you'll have all the work you could ever do. And you can make 150000 a year after five years pretty easily. I mean, you got to work for it, you know, it takes yeah. work. But and then if you really if you really have some some skill, you can hire a few people and, you know, I mean, I would recommend doing some research and getting a mentor and probably getting some cash in the bank before you do that. But, 
but um, it's easy enough to to hire people and expand your business. And then really, it's a it's really a marketing game, which is you know treat people correctly and you know do what you say you're going to do and you know charge accordingly, which doesn't necessarily mean cheap. Right, right. And I had a guest recently who said the same thing. He's like, if you can afford a van and a tel- cell phone, you can start a business. Like there's such a low barrier t- to entry. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. If, you, if you're if you willing to roll up your sleeves and do the work, there's so much opportunity. And what's really cool is your business is, I don't want to say not just plumbing because plumbing is a big deal, but you have a lot of other businesses that you that you own and manage as well, right? Can you talk a little bit about those and and just kind of what's entailed in those for for people who might be interested? Yeah, sure. So uh, this business, JPG, uh, basically has four profit centers. I like to call them. Uh, one of them is construction, and what that means is means is we do plumbing and mechanical construction, plumbing and HVAC construction, where we'll work in buildings and hospitals and you know whatever you know no no homes really Mo- most of our work we just try to find the most expensive the people who want to spend the most money um um then we have uh, a plumbing service business which is uh, all we do is we go out and fix and repair uh, you know plumbing systems from faucets to you know full repiping jobs booster pumps you know, complicated plumbing systems can be pretty complicated when you get on the higher levels. Then we have an HVAC service business, which does uh, uh, services, commercial air conditioners, boilers, chillers, you know, air handler units, rooftop units. And then we, that in it, with that, there's a retro, retrofit team that goes out and changes all that equipment. And then our, our final thing is an industrial vacuum truck services, which if you go on our website, uh, www dot jpgservicesinc.com you can see pictures of some of our large equipment and basically what that does is it pumps out different storm water management things you know pits um, does industrial vacuum and has a robotic crawler camera as part of it to do um, uh, piping underground piping inspections and and whatnot Uh, that's pretty versatile group and so they do a lot of cool stuff yeah, that's a that's a pretty cool job. So you get to operate the robotic camera. Yeah, yeah, with a NASCO certification, N A S S C O. It's a certification that drives the. You have to. Re, there's a whole reporting scheme that has to go on with it. So. Okay, I want to put some of those links in the show notes too, so people can look that up. NASCO, and sure. of course, I'll have your company um, link as well. And we'll be right back. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. 
We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. Hey there, I want to ask you a question. Are you having a tough time watching your teens struggle to figure out what to do after high school? Are you feeling worried and frustrated because you don't know how to help them? Believe me, I've been there and I know exactly how you're feeling. But don't lose hope. Help is on the way. Hear me out on this. After a lot of tension and no success, it became clear that our family couldn't manage this on our own. So we sought out help from Jay Dussold, Gen Z Career Guide, and this is what he told us. I believe that every young person is wired for greatness, and I'm committed to helping them be that version of themselves. The key is empowering them to uncover their design and then discover careers that actually fit so they can have a lifetime of successful, satisfying work. Trust me when I say that there is no other program out there like Map in Me. I have done the research, and the proof is in the results. After partnering with Jay for just 10 weeks, my son learned so much about himself. Thanks to a simple step-by-step process and personalized attention from Jay, my son has gained clarity and confidence. And instead of feeling confused and uncertain about the future, he's now excited about what's ahead. To learn more and apply for your free consultation with Jay, just visit his website at lifeafter12th.com. That's lifeafter12th.com. And now back to the show. Okay, so let's talk about teens who are interested in pursuing a path into plumbing and or one of your other types of businesses. What's the best way to go? I mean, is it trade school? Is it an apprenticeship? Do you need to join a union? What are kind of the rules and the what's the best insider tip from somebody like you who's been around for a long time? I think, uh, well, the first the first tip is willingness and and the you know the the desire to go out and get a job, you know, with a trade contractor, um, the union which uh, we are a union company offers an apprenticeship training program. So we are uh, we're signatory to both uh, Plumbers Local Union Number Five and Steamfitters Local Union Number Six. So depending on if you want to be an HVAC person, that'd be Steamfitter Six Hundred Two, or if a plumber. You know, they both have five-year apprenticeships programs, which basically you go to school. Um, well, it's one day a week. They there's there's different ways they structure it. So fitters do it one way, plumbers do it the other way. But basically, you go to school and then you have a job. You know, you don't get paid to go to school, but you have a job that basically sponsors the education. And it's a five-year training program, and you know they teach you everything you want to know about or as much, uh, at least give you a basis of understanding to help you uh, be better in your trade. And then, you know, basically you go to work every day and you don't miss work and, and you always ask for more to do. And, and um, you know, like I said, do the hardest job that nobody else wants to do and, you know, say yes to everything for about five years and, and you'll move up pretty quickly and people will respect you. Hmm. So if, so would you say that 
trade school and an apprenticeship is kind of a require? Is it a requirement? Is it possible that you could go to work for somebody and they'll teach you on the job? Or do you have to go to trade school and or, you know, I mean, you have to get licensed, right? Sure. Sure. You can. I, I didn't go to trade school myself. I took some code classes uh, at my le- to get my license. Uh, but it's not a requirement. But what it does is it gives you credibility. So in other words, you know, if you if you're going to look for a job or starting a business or even your resume, if you have to go in front of a big customer and say they say, well, what kind of experience you have, you know, before you work on my, you know, five million dollar system, you know, you can put on your resume that I've got five years of this of this trade school. And if you really apply yourself, you know, they have all sorts of programs. You can learn all sorts of stuff. And, you know, even outside the the basic curriculum, they have add on courses on welding or or, um, you know, controls, building automation controls, uh, you know, different things, you know, and uh, medical gas installations, all this stuff is 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 more technical and highly, um, uh, highly sought off for skills that that employers are looking for. So it gives you credibility. Hey, look, you know, I'm I'm good at this or I'm a safety expert. I took OSHA 30, OSHA 10. You know, I'm all you know, I'm, you could you know, uh, you can take uh, computer aided drafting in these schools, um, estimating, they have estimating, they have project management things uh, you get with the right employer. You know, we have, there is all sorts of training. Um, if you go on the uh, Mechanical Contractors Association of America's website, you can see some of the stuff that they offer if you're working for a union contractor in the management path. Uh so there, there's a, a lot of different directions you can go, and um, it's a, it's an exciting career. Yeah, it sounds like it, and it sounds like too. I mean, there's work almost everywhere, or just about everywhere. So if you mm-hmm. relocate or move, you can find work somewhere else, and you know, within the United States, or maybe even outside of the United States. Mm-hmm. And does a license like that carry across state lines? sometimes, sometimes they reciprocate, but if you have it, you can, you know, when you go for, for a, a, a license in a different jurisdiction or, or state, you can have your master's with you and you can say, well, here, here's my credit, my, you know, I'm credible here. Well, you still have to take your test, but okay. you don't have to work for five years in our jurisdiction to test for our jurisdiction. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Sure. So what about, are there skills that you think, I mean, aside from learning the trade, is there like a personality type? Are there skills that you think people really need? Or like what kind of person is best suited for a role in the trades? Uh, I think somebody who wants to work hard. I mean, that's what people really respect. And, and uh, you know, in our industry is that somebody who wants to go out there and get the job done and, and take take care of the customer. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've been very lucky because I've always been pretty self-motivated. So, and, and I don't want people to say I'm wrong or I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. So, I mean, like in any job, you have certain levels of, Hey, these people do, you know, the most work 80, probably 20% do the most work. 80% will do some of the, or a lot of the work. And then 20% of the people won't do anything. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it's in every industry. It's the same way. Um, so if you're self-motivated, 
and don't mind going out there and, and working hard and doing what people ask you to do and, and take a little, take some initiative, uh, then you can be very successful at it. And are there ways for teenagers to get exposed to the trades? I mean, back in the day when I went to high school, which was back when you went to high school, um, kids would leave for, you know, kids would be on co-ops and they would leave at noon and they would go to a job, whether it be in the trades or wherever it was. So when, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, they had got some explore, they got to explore and got some experience with the actual being in the actual job and seeing what it's about. That's not happening so much anymore. Are there, do you have any suggestions for teens who want to learn more and kind of get a, a, deeper understanding of what's involved in the job? Sure. I, I know in our area, uh, Anne Arundel County has a couple of um, uh, schools, trade schools, uh, high school trade schools. What do they call them? Votech or whatever. Oh, Votech, yeah. Or yeah, something like mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm not sure what they're called, but they have a couple of uh, schools you can actually go and start taking courses to. to um, so when you get out of that school, you can you know, be a little bit further along, or they have direct entry programs and the apprenticeship programs. Um, the other thing you could do, if you're really curious, just, you know, call your local, uh, local union's apprenticeship school, talk to the training director, say, hey, I'm really interested in checking this out. Do you mind if I come down here and, and just walk around the school? You can show me what you do. I know you're busy, but people are always willing to help if you ask. You know, most people, most people are willing to help if you just make an appointment, you ask, and either they'll do it or they'll get one of the, one of the teachers to, to uh, walk you around and show you some of the stuff they do. And I mean, or, you know, if you're, you know, call a local contractor, even a bigger one, just say, Hey, I'm really interested in doing that. Can I come by and, and take a look at what you're doing? And, you know, 99% of the time people are very open to, you know, sharing information about that sort of thing. And so, some some companies aren't, but most most companies. I mean, like my company. If somebody called me up and said, "Hey, I'd really like to check this out. Can I come and see what you guys do?" I'd be more than happy to show them around and you know spend a half a day with them or whatever it is. You know? Yeah, yeah. Especially if they're a student, right? It's like everybody wants to help a student. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if they show enough initiative to want to do that, you know, they're you know they're thinking about it, and they're going to be good for somebody. You know, I mean, it might not be yeah. me. It might be an electrician or whatever, you know, but yeah. Okay. Any other vital pieces of advice or suggestions for parents of teens to help their teens get started in the trades? Uh, Well, for parents, probably don't be afraid to have your, your um, child, uh, well, grow up for one thing. And the other thing is, you know, to get their hands dirty and do something that's, uh, that's important. And, you know, our work is very important. We protect the health of the nation, you know, and the plumbers do, the plumbers and the fitters or the comfort of people. I mean, during the COVID, the COVID, uh, initial COVID lockdown, we were doing temporary medical facilities and, and uh, uh, different patient room places and negative air stuff, air cleaning. And so, you know, what we do is important because, and a lot of people take it for granted sometimes that, you know, with this, the stuff you know, just doesn't happen. You know, people have to work on it and get it done. Uh, And there's an endless opportunity to get into the more technical side where you're doing, you know, coordinated drawings or, you know, building information modeling. You can do controls. 
building automation controls. Uh, there's just so much opportunity if you're willing to apply yourself and you can make a really good living doing it. Yeah, that's really, that's a really good point. I think a lot of people think plumber and they think, you know, he's coming to fix my leaky faucet or, you know, replace my toilet where to your point, there's so much more involved and the work that you're talking about that your company does, there's just the opportunities are endless. And I think I love that you talk about the work that you're doing in a way that you're helping people, right? Because isn't it at the end of the day, all about service and helping people? I mean, that's the goal, right? Yes, ma'am. This has been eye-opening and really interesting. I had no idea that there were all these different facets of of the plumbing industry. Um, If people want to learn more about your company, I will absolutely place um, the link in the show notes. So jpgservicesinc.com. And um, a couple of the other things we talked about, I'll circle back with you for links, but is there anywhere else that people can find more information or reach out to you that you want to share? Yeah. I mean, I would go, I would go with the, uh, the local schools, the uh, plumbers local or the uh, steam fitters local Uh, Mm -hmm. PHCC plumbing, heating, cooling contractors also has, has uh, resources and schools. Uh, So there's, there's a lot of stuff out there if you don't mind looking. Okay, great. Thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you would take a minute and give me a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast player so new episodes will be delivered directly to you as soon as they become available. You can find and connect with me on the High School Hamster Wheel Facebook page. And please consider joining me and my co-host, Jay Dusold, in our Life After 12th Facebook group, where we provide encouragement and help for parents of career-confused teens and 20-somethings. All links and references mentioned during this episode can be found in the show notes. The High School Hamster Wheel Podcast is a proud partner of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Hello, and welcome to Guilty Greenie. I feel like we should start off this show by saying it's nearly impossible to be 100% sustainable given the current world we live in. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Not a great analogy for a vegetarian, but you know. (laughs) We're talking uh, about sustainability, maybe not the best analogy. Don't eat the elephant is the first rule of the guilty green. There's your first challenge of the week. (laughs) Avoid elephants. What they used to call frugal is now considered sustainable. It's such an aha moment. Frugal to sustainable. You can save money and help the planet. That's going to be our new tagline for sure. You can find Guilty Greenie on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform you prefer. And join us in tackling the Guilty Greenie challenges. Until then, stay curiously green.